Thank you all for attendance this evening. It makes uh, it always makes a preacher who's traveling feel good when somebody shows up, Brother Ronald. So appreciate your fellowship uh, in the dinner hour, and um, it's good to have Sister Melanie from Vestavia with us. I, um, I thought maybe Brother Ronald she came to hear me, but I guess Riley had something to do with it. But. Um, Brother Ronald said, I'm, I'm Josh Coker. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, pastor of Estavia Church, uh, right there in the heart of Birmingham, and I'm very thankful to be here tonight. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts, chapter 20. Over the last uh, few weeks at Vestavia, we've been going through uh, 2 Timothy, and a few weeks ago, I looked at some of Paul's last words to Timothy, and that got me thinking about some of the last words of some of the characters that we find in Scripture. We looked at David's last words. We looked at Stephen's last words before he was martyred. Uh, we looked at some of Paul's last words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, so some of those may flow into this message tonight. But uh, in, in Acts chapter 20, we have Paul's, you might say, last words or his final address to the Ephesian elders. He had spent some time there, years uh, with the church of Ephesus, he, he, you know, we have a letter that he wrote uh, to Ephesus. There was a lot that went on there in Ephesus. They were near and dear to his heart. And so he calls for the elders to come to him to address them, knowing that he's not going to be with them anymore. And so in the 17th verse, it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So he summoned the leaders of the church to come to him. It says, and that when they had come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you in all seasons. I love that Paul begins his address to them by saying, You know, you know the way that I have lived my life. <laughs> in, um, in that book of 2 um, Timothy, I believe it's in chapter 3, he tells Timothy towards the middle of that chapter that you've fully known my doctrine. He goes on to list some things, and one of them is my manner of life, the way in which I've lived. And I believe um, there in, in 2 Timothy 3 that he's saying that even Timothy had conformed his life to the way Paul had lived his life. Now, And here he's, he's, he's addressing these elders, these leaders of the church, and he says, you know the way from the first time that I came into Asia unto now what, what manner I have lived or have been with you or lived my life with you in all seasons. <laughs> he says in all seasons. You know, we all go through seasons of life. And um, do y'all ever live differently according to different, um, different seasons of your life? I, I met some Tennessee fans earlier. There was, we're in the south. We, we were riding around yesterday, and, and um, my daughter mentioned to my son, can you, can you just quit talking about football for a few minutes? <laughs> and, and I said, heavy grace. You were born in Alabama, <laughs> by the grace of God. <laughs> no offense, Tennessee, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it would have mattered in Tennessee, too, right? You were born in the South. You're going to hear a lot about football the rest of your life. <laughs> well, now how many of us can say when our team's winning, we probably act pretty good, right? But what about when they're losing? My wife graduated from Auburn. I graduated from Alabama. Y'all pray for us. I know you've all seen what they call the kick six. That's when Alabama kicked that ball and Auburn ran it all the way back. I know you've seen it. They show it every day, it seems like, on television still. She swears to this time that I kicked her. 
I didn't. She was just in front of the TV. But, um, you know, here Paul is saying, you've seen me in all seasons, and I believe he's, he is using that as a way to draw influence from them or credibility from them. And how many of us could say that we've lived our lives in all seasons in a way that we would be credible in our witness for Jesus? We should all live that kind of life. Paul appeals to the way he lived his life to get their attention. And he says, here's some of the things that I've been doing. I've been serving the Lord with all humility of mind. He, he, he says there that he understood. I believe when he's saying that he served the Lord with all humility of mind, he understood his weaknesses. And, you know, I believe that's one of the first keys to really serving the Lord is to, is to understand how frail and how weak we are by our nature because that means we must run to him for help, right? We must. If I'm going to preach tonight, it must be, if I actually preach tonight and you get anything from this message, it's not because, you know, I've, I've, I've got some intelligence that's superior to other people or some charisma that's superior to other people or I'm so eloquent. It's the power of God. When going back to that second Timothy, that kind of theme, you know, those last words that 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 Paul would would write to Timothy as he's leaving Timothy, he would say, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He was telling Timothy, you need to draw your strength from the grace that's in God, the grace that's in Christ. And so he, he says here, I've been serving the Lord with all humility of mind. He, he knew his weaknesses. He knew where he might fail. And he was drawing strength from God. And he says, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Or the, you know, the, the, the plotting or the planning of the Jews. And then he says in verse 20, and I've kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. <laughs> he, he says, I've been, I've been preaching anything and everything that would be helpful unto you, I've kept nothing back. You have it all. And he says, I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, you want to know what the message was that, that Paul was preaching some 2,000 years ago well, it's the same message that Jesus came preaching in Mark chapter 1. It says in Mark chapter 1 that when he began his earthly ministry, or his public ministry, that he went about uh, preaching. And what was he preaching? He was saying, repent ye and believe the gospel. Those are the words uh, that, that Christ uh, was, was proclaiming as he went out to preach the gospel in his own ministry. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. He says both to the Jews and to the Greeks. It wasn't a different message for one group and another message for the other. He says, I've been, I've been preaching repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ, which is belief of the gospel, putting your faith in what Jesus has done for you, right? And, 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 and repentance and, um, and, and belief, or re repentance and belief of the gospel, they go hand in hand. Because I want you to notice here, he says, uh, he says that he wants you to repent toward God. And, and, and I've, I've been convicted or, or convinced recently that a lot of times in my life, I have repented away from God. Have you ever done that? Like I have done something wrong or I've felt my, my weakness. I've gone beyond the bounds of what, what God would have me to do. And how many of you have done this? You want to run back to God, right? You want to get in, back in fellowship with God. 
And what I do is I repent. I want to change. I change my mind. I change my actions. But it seems like I run away from God. And I think, Josh, if you can get it back together and I can clean myself up a little bit, I can get back on my Bible reading plan. I can get back on my prayers. I can get back into attending the church. Once I clean myself up a little bit, then God will have me and I can go back to God. Has anybody ever done that? But notice that's not what Paul says. Paul says my message has been repentance toward God. And see, if you have faith in Christ, if you believe the gospel and you see the grace of God and what Christ has done for you on the cross, then, then you don't have to clean yourself up to go to God. You go to God and then he will clean you up. Does that make sense? It's totally different uh, than, than repenting to try to get yourself together. In, in, in any way, uh, where is it in the scripture that, that God would tell us to get ourselves together before we come to him? No, he's the one that cleans us up, right? And so the message that Paul has been preaching is, is that you would repent towards God. I love the way he says that, toward God, or, or, or run to God, and then faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you truly have faith in what Christ has done for you, then you know you don't have to clean yourself up. You are clean, right? You are forgiven. If you get nothing else out of the message today, I want you to know, child of God, if you feel like you have run from God, you can run back to him today. I believe he's like that prodigal son's father. He's waiting for you to come back, right? And notice the prodigal son's father never went anywhere. A lot of times I feel, or we may feel like God has, has left us. But you know, God doesn't move, does he? God's right where he, he's always been. It's, it's, it's you and I who through our sins and struggles, uh, we distance ourselves from God. But we can always repent right back to him. He says in verse 22, he says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Isn't, isn't that amazing that he says, I am bound. There's this unction within Paul that was driving him to Jerusalem, and he says, and I don't know what's awaiting me there. Now he's going he's gonna to give, there's, there's He's going to indicate in the next verse he knows some of the things that are going to happen there. But I know as Brother Michael was driving here today or as I was coming up with my family this, this week to, to, to be with this meeting, you know, I was expecting to see exactly what I found, Brother Ronald. People that were kind to me and, and good food and good fellowship and good time together. But Paul was not expecting any of that when he came to Jerusalem. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen to him, but he says this, except or save, the one thing I do know is that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. I have so much respect for this man. Um, he says, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I know this that there are chains and shackles and prisons that are waiting for me. There's tribulation and persecution and distress that is waiting for me. Now, I know in my flesh, if Brother Ronald would have said, he called me a few weeks ago and invited me up here, and if he'd have said, they've got the prison cell waiting for you, brother. <laughs> and we're going to let you preach, but first you're going to be whipped. And we're not going to have any food for you. Well... You know, I do believe that God's grace was big enough that I could get through that. You know, I think a lot of us, we often wonder, how could Paul do that? Or how could, uh, you know, you read men like Obadiah Holmes that were beaten for what we hold dear here today. And they go through all this persecution. You think, how could I be like that? Well, 
We've never had to be like that, have we? Praise God. Aren't y'all thankful for that? <laughs> and sometimes I wonder, how could I be like that? But I believe that God will give you the grace you need to get through that when you get there. Do y'all believe that today? But that wasn't what Brother Ronald invited me to. He invited me to something, you know, welcoming and, and warm. But Paul says, that's not what's awaiting me. There are bonds and afflictions that are, that's, that's all that's awaiting me as I go to Jerusalem. And you know, you may think, at that point he could have said, well, I'm just going to stay here with you all. <laughs> but listen to what he says in verse 24. But none of these things move me. How many excuses do we make in our lives? And, and here's Paul who knows that, that prison and persecution awaits him. And he says, that doesn't shake me at all. I'm not changing my mind. I'm not, I'm not going to go back on, on the cause that I've been committed to. No matter what's coming, none of these things are going to move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. <laughs> you know, I don't think in any way he's discounting uh, the sanctity of human life. You know, your life is one of this, the most dear thing you have, right? <laughs> People will do anything to save their lives. But Paul's saying, I'll, I'll even give up my own life so that I might finish my course, my race, my calling, my, my ministry, he'll go on to say, um, that I might finish that with joy. Do y'all see that? <laughs> you know, I think some people might could finish their course begrudgingly, <laughs> not be too happy about it. Um, you ever met some people that it just seems like, I, I've, been, I've been pastoring long enough and ministering long enough where I've met some people that come to the end of their life and, and, and they have nothing good to say about life. And I've met some, I've met, Sister Sally's here. She remembers this as a lady by the name of Sister Joyce Clay. And, and she had it hard. Breast cancer, cancers, strokes. And, you know, I could go to her room, and I could be in a bad mood, and I would leave feeling better than when I got there. She was finishing her course with joy. It's one thing just to finish the course. But Paul says, I want to finish my course with joy. <laughs> he says, in the ministry, there we go, the calling which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know, we can learn a lot of that as, as preachers, as, as hearers. What is it that's supposed to be testified? It's the gospel of the grace of God, the unmerited faith. Aren't y'all thankful for the grace of God? <laughs> he says, that's what I've been testifying. And now behold, he, say, he says to these, these elders, he says, I want you to listen up now. I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Now that is a, that is a sad occasion, isn't it? Um, and he doesn't even say I'm going to come back around and see you again. You know, sometimes it's hard enough when somebody leaves and you don't know when you're going to see them again. But he says, I'm going away, and you're going to see my face no more. You go on to read. We won't get there tonight. But he kneels down to pray, and, and they weep. And, and, and you can just feel their love. But these are, these are men who have, been, 
who have heard his preaching and have been, uh, you know, they've been raised up to minister under Paul and they've been looking to Paul for guidance and they've been looking to Paul for encouragement. And, you know, it, it had to be uh, so motivating to minister with this kind of person who would not be moved by anything. I tell you, when, um, when, when I know in my own life that, that there's been times that I've grown dry or, you know, I don't have, I'm not as zealous as I should be. And then I, I may be on the phone with a, uh, with, with, with a brother. And maybe it's Brother Ronald or Brother Michael or whoever. There's many back home mentors that I have. And, and I see their commitment and it, and, it, and it fires me back up. Have you ever been there? <laughs> maybe you've been in your Christian walk. You've been, uh, you know, we, we go through ups and downs, right? And maybe there's been times when you're not as zealous as you should be. And then, you, you know, that brother comes in that's all smiles and he's on fire and you leave more fired up than when you came in, right? <laughs> we like those kind of people. That's who Paul was. And Paul says, I'm going away and you're never going to see my face again. Wherefore, verse 26, I take you to record. You know, he, he has summoned them in this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. <laughs> and, and I believe they're... You know, Paul is telling them, first of all, you have everything you need to carry on. I've given you the whole counsel of God. You know, isn't it, aren't you so thankful that we have the counsel of God? <laughs> you know, if, the, if this building was uh, no more, um, if, um, if all, the, if all the, the theological books in the world burn up and we still had the word of God, we'd have all we need, wouldn't we? I'm thankful for commentaries, and, and, and I've got many books on the Bible. I should probably spend more time in the Bible than I spend on books about the Bible. But this is all we need. And he says, I've given you the whole counsel of God. I've, I've, I've told you about his purposes. I've told you about his plans. I've told you about his instructions. So you can go on. And so he says in verse 28, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. He says, first of all, watch out for yourselves. I don't know about you all, but I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> I, can, I, can, um, I can mess myself up a lot quicker than anybody else can. Now, I'll, I'm more gracious to myself, too, than anybody else I know. <laughs> Any of y'all find that? <laughs> I, um, well, I could give you a million stories on that. But let me step on Bo's Lego and see if he gets in trouble. <laughs> let me trip on my shoe in the middle of the night and say, I'll say, well, you know, I was late and <laughs> I couldn't see. And, it's okay. Maybe we should be more gracious to others than ourselves. <laughs> but anyways, he says, take heed unto yourselves. You know, he told Timothy that same thing in 1 Timothy 4.16, I believe it is. He says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Did you notice that he says to this young man, this minister who's starting out, this isn't 2 Timothy, this young minister, he's younger at that time at least, he says, Paul says to him, take heed unto thyself. He's basically saying, beware about yourself because you can trip your own self up and to the doctrine. What are the two things that we need to invest in? He says, watching out for ourselves and learning about the doctrines of God, right? He says, continue in them. You know, you never reach a point where you've got it all figured out where you don't have to be beware of yourself, do you? And you never get to the point where you figured out all the doctrine, you've got all you need, and you can just carry on. He says, continue in them. 
And then he tells Timothy, for in doing this, you'll both save yourself. (laughs) He says, you will deliver yourself by taking heed to yourself and learning more about the doctrines of God and them that hear you. (laughs) He says, you'll be able to deliver those that hear your preaching if you take care of yourself first and and you devote your time to the doctrines of God. And so here, Paul says to these Ephesian elders, take heed therefore unto yourselves. And remember, to Timothy, it was those that hear you. And then he goes right back to that, to these elders and to the flock, to the disciples, to the churches, to the people, the, the flock of God over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. I believe that's very important that he goes back to remind these elders in just a short way that it's, it's the flock that God has given you And it's the church that God has purchased for himself. (laughs) It's not your church. It's God's church. And the cost to purchase that church, to buy that that church, those people to himself was his own blood. Verse 29, he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. (laughs) They've already... Their leader is leaving, the, the one, the apostle whom they've looked to, he's, he's going away and he says, I want you to know this, that now that I'm leaving, <laughs> I love that in some ways it's kind of like Paul was saying, these grievous wolves, and, and I wrote down some of the words that, uh, from the concordance for this, it was violent, cruel, greedy, destructive, <laughs> these are the kind of people that are coming in, the people that won't spare the flock, um, the people that they, 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 they won't be um, easy on the flock. They'll destroy the flock. And Paul says, after I depart, they're coming in. It's almost like Paul was saying, they're not going to mess with you as long as I'm here. <laughs> and that is part of a good pastor, isn't it? Or part of a good daddy. Wouldn't that be a part of a good dad? <laughs> good, good mom grandparent, whatever it may be, that we're not going to let the wolves in while we're here. He says, but there's coming a time where they're coming in and they're not going to spare you. And he says, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Even, even among your own selves, he said, throughout the course of this church, there's going to be people who arise and they're going to speak perverse things, those are perverted things or those are misinterpreted things and the reason that they're going to do that is not because they uh, maybe uh, diluted it or or misinterpreted it on accident, it's because they could could preach things and teach things in such a way to get the the honor and the glory for themselves. He says drawing drawing, uh, disciples after their own selves or after them. All right, verse 31, he says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. He says, I want you to watch and I want you to remember. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I won't spend much time on this. My time's growing short, but watchfulness, being alert, right? Being on guard, being Zealous, I think in some ways, being active, <laughs> vigilant. Um, so important to a church, remembering. So apathy and forgetfulness hurt a lot of our churches, don't they? A lot of our Christian walk. 
apathy and forgetfulness. I don't know, I don't know about you all, but um, do y'all like the Andy Griffith show? That's my favorite show on television. I was watching one not too long ago, and um, Barney was talking about, uh, you know, how susceptible Mayberry would be to like a big bank robbery or something. And he said, we're suffering from apathy. He called it a pathy. <laughs> and he said, even the ice house, he said, the, 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 um, the light doesn't work. And Andy said, well, the light works. It's just that the night watchman can't sleep if the light's on. <laughs> well, you know, we could learn a lot from that, couldn't we? Is that, uh, sometimes we just grow so apathetic in our Christian walk that we begin to forget certain things. This happened to the Laodicean church, didn't it? I won't go there. You can read about it in the book of Revelation. They were, they were neither cold nor hot. They had forgotten that they were naked and miserable. <laughs> they thought they had need of nothing. What happens is you forget. Now listen to what he said. He said, therefore watch and remember, keep that in mind, that by the space of three years I cease not to warn you. Every one of you, night and day with tears. And what was he warning them? He was warning them that there is, a, there is an impending danger, there is an approaching danger that you need to be on the watch for. And a lot of times we grow so apathetic that we forget that we're in the middle of a battle. <laughs> like we're in the middle of a spiritual war. And that's just what Satan wants, is you to forget that you're in the middle of that battle, right? And he says, so take heed on yourselves. Watch and remember. All right, now I want to go to this last verse. He says in verse 32, and now, brethren... <laughs> I love how the church and the gospel and the kingdom unites people. You know, there's no other place I know of in the world where people from different backgrounds or from different types of lives can come together and just call each other brother and sister. Do y'all know of any place else? And here's the Apostle Paul. If there's ever been anybody outside of Jesus who could say, look at what I've done for the cause, it could be him, right? Y'all honor me. And, and when he comes to these elders, he just says, and now, brethren, brothers. Isn't that amazing? I believe it's Proverbs 22. It says the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord's the maker of them all. That happens in the church, doesn't it? And he says, brethren. And now listen to what he says here. <laughs> Remember, he's leaving. He says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I want to end my thoughts this, this evening. I mean, we'll pick back up in this verse tomorrow. He, he, as he's going away, he says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God. <laughs> to commend something is to entrust it or to deposit it into something else for safekeeping, right? You might take your money and, and you deposit it into a safe or into a bank, or, or you may take your uh, loved ones or your children let's say and you, you, you give them to a, uh, uh, someone to watch them while you're away you intend that they're going to keep them safe right well when there's wolves coming in and there's, there's, there's those that are going to be are going to rise up from with, with, with inside the church to devour the church and not spare the church and Paul is going away and what Paul is doing here is one of the hardest things that we ever do as people he is relinquishing control <laughs> Do y'all ever have a hard time doing that? He is, he, is, 
Not that, not that Paul ever thought he was in control of these uh, people, that he was, uh, you know, he was the one that was keeping them all together. But what Paul is doing is, is he is saying, I am giving it over to God. Uh, I'm reminded, but my, my father in the ministry is Brother Sam Bryant. I'm sure many of you have known him. I know he's been here before. And, and, and one of his fathers in the ministry was Elder Pat Bird. I never met him. Some of y'all remember him, but I remember he'd tell me the story about Brother Bird was, was, was in uh, the nursing home. He was like 90 years old, and, um, you know, he'd been a wise minister for many years, and something had arisen in some of the churches, and so two elders went to his, his home at the nursing home, and they, they laid out what had happened, and they wanted his advice. And he said, Brother Bird looked at him and said, Brethren, y'all figure it out. <laughs> I'm getting out of this mess. <laughs> Well, it's almost like Paul there is saying, Brethren, now I'm giving it to, it's between you and God. <laughs> and man, that's so hard to do because all of us have people in our lives that we've, we love dearly. And maybe it's that we can't seem to help them or get through to them. Or maybe there's situations in our lives, problems in our lives that we just can't find an answer to. And the hardest thing to do is to just give that over to God, isn't it? But here, as Paul is, Paul is, is, is leaving the scene, he says, I commend you to God. And so I'll close with this. I don't know what, I know this. Every one of us is dealing with something. I don't know what your problem may be. You don't know what my problems may be. But I know this, everybody's got problems. And you think about that. Everybody you come in contact with in this life got something going on that you don't know about. You don't know what they're going through. And so my suggestion to you today would be whatever those problems are, commend those to God. Peter would tell the, the, the elders, the scattered elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, I believe it's verse 7, quoted from Psalm 55, he would say, cast your cares on the Lord. <laughs> that means your worries, your fear, your anxiety, your troubles. And when he says cast, that literally means to put them on the Lord. And if you put something on the Lord, do you have it anymore? You don't, do you? And there's a lot of things in this life that we're not capable of dealing with, but the Lord is. So he says, cast your cares on the Lord. And then he ends that verse by saying, for he cares for you. <laughs> Think about that. The God of heaven and earth, he cares for you. He, not that he cares about the multitude, he does, but he cares for you. That's mind-blowing to me. He cares for Josh Coker. <laughs> He's Elroy, the God who sees me personally, right? The God who sees me. And so in Psalm 46, I'll close with this verse. It begins by talking about the you know, the earth being removed and the mountains being carried into the midst of the sea and turmoil all around. But there's one verse in the, in the 10th verse. It says this. Psalm is speaking from the heart of God. It says, be still 
And that, that literally in the Strong's Concordance, it says, let alone. Which, like I said, can be some of the hardest things to do. But that literally means to relax and leave it alone. And, and, and how can you do that? It says, be still and know that I am God. Do y'all do see that? There is a God in heaven who cares for you, and he is God. There may be situations where you can't make a way. There are people that maybe you can't help. There are problems that you're never going to get over this side of heaven. But there's a God who will care for you in the midst of those problems. Do y'all believe that today? <laughs> there's a God that will help you in your distress and your fear and your anxiety. There's a God who cares for you. He, he, is, he is focused on you. <laughs> not to crush you. Not to, not to wound you. But to pick you up. And, and, and as, the, as, the, as it goes on to say, I believe in the 50 fifth psalm where Peter was quoting from he says to sustain you <laughs> to keep you going what was it that kept Paul going when he said none of these things move me he knew there was a God he, he would tell Timothy this for I know whom I believe it and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day <laughs> I know there's a God that cares for me may God bless